You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. This podcast is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of sexuality and self-development workshops in Australia. Please bear in mind that not all conversations will be suitable for younger people. Also bear in mind that while we can discuss general concepts, what we say can't be taken as personal advice or guidance. You're the only person that is an expert on being you. If you've got questions you'd like us to answer, or you want to find out more about us, look us up at curiouscreatures.biz. B-I-Z. Today, I'm having a conversation with Aerie from Blue Velvet Arts, who you can find at bluevelvetarts.com. This is the second of a three-part series where we discuss, in really good detail, the questions on the Curious Creatures consent cards. The consent cards are handy little things about the size of a credit card. They've got pretty much all the questions you need to ask to ensure that whatever sex you're planning on having goes as well as it can. They have a level of detail that's slightly geared towards kinky activities, although they make pretty much anything better, even platonic activities like going for a drive in the country. You can view the questions for free on the Curious Creatures website or buy one for $9 and we will also list them in the show notes for this episode. Today, Ari and I are going to be tackling questions 5 through to question 11. If you're new to the world of consent, this is going to be a huge insight into how to do this stuff from people that have considerable experience. Even if you've got a lot of experience in sex, and kinky sex in particular, we're sure you'll still find a few interesting points of reflection here. And you'll find that using the consent cards will improve the quality, fun and safety of your play. So, question five. Uh, have we done this kind of play before? Why would we, yeah, why is, why is that a good question? Well, that's definitely a good question um, to gauge experience level. Mm. Like, if I were going into a play scenario and I was the bottom and someone else was essentially topping or in control, essentially I'm surrendering my physical well-being over to this person, I definitely want to know if they have any experience with the activity that we're doing and, and what that level of experience is. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and likewise, if I'm going to engage in, in a scene where I'm the top, I want to give the other person the confidence of knowing whether or not I know what I'm doing and being completely completely honest about that and it's also an opportunity for trust building Mm. like if someone can really honestly tell me what their level of experience with this kind of play before is um and i I do mean that honestly not not over inflating it or fabricating it entirely yeah then that helps me build trust if there's an activity i want to do and the person says i i'm really interested in this but i have to be honest i've never done it before awesome that doesn't mean we're not going to do it but very important that i know that i'm working with a complete novice it's so (laughs) important i I think there's, there's so much pressure on us to pretend we're good at stuff and that uh like like particularly if you're in kind of some kind of a dating situation uh, there's like you don't want to admit that you're not the world's most amazing incredible lover slash uber dom type of person um but yeah you just um i mean you're setting yourself up for some kind of a failure or a, or a safety issue potentially with that so i just i just really agree with you about it. it's an opportunity to be honest 
Um, and also, you, you spoke about what it's like as the as the top, which is great. I imagine, particularly in your uh, career as a professional in this regard, you'd often be in situations where you're the person with a substantial amount of experience, and you need to know exactly where the bottom is. Um, but um, as a bottom, if you give the person you're playing with the impression that you can take a lot or that you are really experienced with the play, you might find yourself really rapidly out of your comfort or safety zone. Yes, definitely. I will create a much different experience for someone who has no prior experience with what we're doing. You know, I'd really, I would gauge that at the beginner introduction level versus someone who has experience or or pretends to have experience, mm. then I'd be looking for the more advanced levels. I'd be looking for ways to diversify our play. And if they have no experience, that could be incredibly overwhelming, possibly alienating, and traumatic for both of us. Mm. So so best that we both completely play at the level that, that we're experienced at, and we're honest about that. And if we want to explore and go higher, you know, take the experience deeper, that we know where we're starting and where it is that we would like to eventually end up. And I love um, the way that uh, as we listen to, to those first uh, half a dozen or so questions, uh, it's so clear. You know so much about the other person and where they're at and what the play is meant to be about. Like the chances of the scene going in the wrong direction or off the rails, you've already arrested almost all of those risks. And so to question six, can we check in mid-play using the scale of 0 to 10 to gauge how it's going? Uh, where three to four is warm-up and six to seven is sustainable play. Uh, so I always think about this in terms of um, it, it's a little easier to grasp this concept if you imagine an activity like uh, spanking, where you need to do a certain amount of warm-up. And for most people, um, three to four uh, is you can feel it, it's, it's substantial, but you wouldn't call it pain. And six to seven is the range you get into, uh, yeah, once, you, once you're warmed up. Um, and this, by the way, is a very similar pain scale or, or scale to the, to the one that hospitals use. You go in and as a quick way of ascertaining um, how much duress you're under or how painful the thing is, uh, you'll often get asked to uh, rate your pain on a scale of naught to ten. So I find it easiest to imagine in that kind of a play, but really it fits anything. Uh, you can use that scale of 0 to 10 across your entire relationship, even just for relationship conversations, like you're having an intense check-in with someone, uh, processing something that happened or, or whatever you're doing, or just going for a visit to your partner's family at Christmas or something. Um, and yeah, it's nice just to be able to really briefly check in and go, how's this experience going? How, where are we on your scale of 0 to 10? How much are you enjoying this? Yes. <laughs> Six, seven, yes. nine? <laughs> How uncomfortable are you with my family? <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> uh, we've all been there. And question seven, if everything goes well, what is our upper limit for intensity? Uh, yeah, why is that question there? Uh, that's a very good one. And it, it really, for me, ties into the first question, how are we doing? What mood state is someone in? Um, as far as the amount of intensity that they wish to experience. Um, mm. and, and why don't we just like check in around that one when we're halfway through the activity? Oh, yeah. We can check in with this one multiple times. Um, don't really want to renegotiate the scene mid-scene. 
but at the same time, perhaps we get into, perhaps in our conversation, you know, we say, okay, what's our upper limit for intensity? And you say, oh, today's a nine. I really want to go there, nine. And then we get going, and, and you realize that that's, it's not that kind of day for you. Very easy for us to, to renegotiate that limit lower. You might say in the middle, like, I thought I could yes. really take it, but I find that I'm feeling very vulnerable and sensitive, and I would actually ratchet it down. Let's not go above a five or a six, and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. So it is really nice to know from the onset what you expect it to be, but with the understanding that if you'd agreed to nine, you are not obligated to stay at a nine throughout our play. So it's it's not a commitment or a contract. Yeah, exactly. What about going the other way? Like we get halfway through play and I've said, oh yeah, take me to fives and sixes. Then we get into play and I say, oh my God, this is so good. Take me to nine. Mm. You know, that's a really tricky one because I am well aware that the body, especially in like BDSM play, um, the body can be flooded with endorphins and other chemicals that essentially make you high, make you seem inebriated. Yes. You might not be entirely aware of, like, your receptivity to pain can be altered. You know, pleasure is altered for you, and you might not be aware of, um, I guess, like, the aftermath yeah. that you're agreeing to. So I generally try to avoid, yeah, renegotiating in mid-scene. However, if, if I'm spanking someone and they, in our, our pre-negotiation conversation, said they didn't want to go over a five because they were afraid of what my five might be like, and then we get to what they feel is a five, and, and they realize, like, oh, no, this is, this is light. Yeah, I can definitely take more. Mm. I mean, in that instance, I'd be willing to, to go a little farther. Not extreme, but, you know, just because maybe our understandings of what five was was inaccurate or yeah. Yeah. their sense of self might have yeah. been a little too cautious. Yeah. Hmm. Love what you say about endorphins uh, and and the parallel with getting high. Uh, in the same way that when you get drunk or anything like that, uh, you start to become very suggestible and very agreeable. You mm-hmm. get into your happy spot and you want to sort of side with your wild side and throw caution to the wind. And so from that state, um, yeah, we get very agreeable and we want to we want to do things that we maybe or maybe not would normally say yes to. And the reason it's such tricky territory uh, is because it's sometimes when you go with that wildness and that sense of adventure, sometimes that's fabulous, and sometimes you wake up the next day going, oh, God, mm-hmm. I've gone too far. Mm-hmm. That was not right for me. I did things or agreed to things that are actually no longer feeling all that good. So as, so I think as a really responsible top, um, if you get into play and someone starts asking for more than what was discussed at the start, um, If you're going by, um, shall we say, best practice and being Mm -hmm. a really responsible top, that's Mm -hmm. the moment where you say, great, thanks, I'd love to discuss that with you some other time, but uh, for the moment we're going to stay within the parameters of what we discussed. Question eight, what are our safe words? Uh, For example, green, meaning everything's good, please continue. Uh, Orange means uh, we're approaching a limit and something's going to need to change soon. And uh, where red means complete stop and debrief, uh, after which we might or might not continue. So I I need to be frank, this is, uh, I wouldn't call it a manipulation, but... It's an opportunity to remind both of you that you have safe words in place. And it's also an opportunity just to make sure that the person you're playing with um, is willing to use safe words. And this is one of the very rare times I'm going to weigh in with a 100% decision because normally life is, shall we say, shades of grey. But on this one, I don't believe there's any reason to play with anyone that's not willing to use safe words 
mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, this question is absolutely crucial for me. I do not play with someone without safe words either. Even if that person thinks that the play that we're engaging in is going to be so mild, it doesn't require safe words. I, that's um, I won't play with someone without safe words because you don't know what situation you might end up in. And having having the comfort having the security of the safe word system in place just means that you know that there's a way out. If something happens, you have a way of stopping it instantly. But it also gives you this wonderful gradient of feedback. Like, you know, to say like, oh, green, this is green. It's just like yeah. so encouraging. Yes, we're really enjoying this. I can check in. Are we green? Yes, we're green. Yes. Then it also has orange built into it, which is kind of like a mm, bring attention around to this. So, yeah. So for me, safe words are crucial just to have as a safety mechanism, but also wonderful to have as a feedback mechanism. Yeah. And I think that question number eight is essential because we need to establish between whoever we're, we're playing with, whoever we're negotiating with, exactly what those safe words are. Because there isn't one universal safe word system. You and I might have two different systems. And with question eight, we say like, okay, we have a system, and this is the system we agree to. And we both can hear each other say it, so we know what it sounds like. In fact, sometimes I'll ask someone, I'll say, mm. we have safe words, okay, what do they sound like? So I hear the person saying them, and I know it's been spoken, and it's reinforced and acknowledged between us what those safe words are. Yeah, that's kind of nice even at the very start of an activity sometimes uh, to deliberately push someone to use their orange safe word you even say out loud i'm, I'm going to pinch you now until you say orange uh, just so that you know that they can actually use those safe words because if a person can use safe words you're in safe territory once you learn those safe words once you get past if, if they ever feel clunky you get past that state pretty quickly and i love the fact that they don't just apply to activities relating to sex or physicality you wind up using them in your entire relationship life um, again the example you 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 with your partner's family it's nice to be able to call orange or red <laughs> question nine can we leave marks such as bruises and scratches uh, I, yeah I feel like that's a very that probably is a much more kink specific question um, and the reason it's there is that sometimes uh, you might be playing with someone that's going home to another partner mm-hmm. and uh, that partner may or may not want to see uh, the evidence of your play or maybe they're going to need to stand naked in front of their kids and try and explain that interesting weird rash they've got on their buttocks mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, yes, kink definitely, but maybe other physical physical activities like um, if you're making out with someone, is it okay to leave hickeys on their neck? <laughs> Do people still leave hickeys? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the kids are doing these days, yeah. but yeah, let's assume so. Mm. <laughs> yes. Question ten. Do either of us have any relevant injuries, health conditions, or body limitations? Uh, I feel like that's just good, you know, get your get your occupational health and safety in line, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't assume that the person you're playing with, even if you've played with them a whole bunch of times, don't, don't assume that they have a thorough and good knowledge of what your body can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And I also find uh, it's shocking sometimes. I would assume that if someone had a serious injury or condition that they would just tell me naturally and so often it isn't until I ask them that they reveal to me 
yeah. what their injury or, or situation is. Yeah, so you I forget think that, sometimes, hey? Yeah, you forget yeah. or it just doesn't occur to people that this condition might be relevant to the, the activity that we're going to do. Um, and yeah, so this definitely applies to mostly physical stuff, BDSM or, yeah. or sexuality. But I also um, trained as a, a personal trainer. Yeah, surprise. Um, and we find all the time that there are, are activities like if you have hypertension and you raise your hands over your head, it can be very, very detrimental. Mm, yes. So really letting someone know about conditions that you have, um, whether or not you think they're going to pertain to the activity you're doing, it's crucial information. It is. Yeah. And hey, if you, uh, if you miss something, friends, this is why uh, the safe words of green, orange, and red are so important. So if you get into play and you realize you've forgotten a limitation about your own body or it's gone in a direction that you weren't expecting um this is where safe words are great you might just say uh, green on everything but orange on the carpet burn or mm -hmm. green on everything but orange on the room temperature or my bladder or whatever else like that it's just really quick simple shorthand mm -hmm. but yeah better to get it out up front Question 11. Are there any parts of our bodies that are off limits? And so by that, we're talking about yeah, your whole body, uh, hips, genitals, anus, chest, breasts, whatever is relevant. Um, Why well, is that a good question to ask? Well, first and foremost, because we have yeah, full agency and control over our own bodies and we get to decide who touches what and if they touch anything at all. Mm -hmm. So you never assume just because you're allowed to touch me means that you get to touch me everywhere or mm. in any way that you want. Mm. Um, so yeah, this is absolutely crucial in establishing you know, the, the boundaries of, of physical contact. And not just the areas that you can and can't touch, but the way you can interact with them. Like I might absolutely love it if you stroke my hair, but I don't want you pulling my hair. So this is the time to say, well, my hair isn't off limits, but you don't know, cutting my hair, or pulling it, or you know, having a, a, a vigorous or unpleasant interaction in that way. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is another good question. It's great to clarify when you're doing kinky things because for some people. Uh, a kink activity pretty much always uh, includes what you might call sexual or erotic activities as well and for other people pretty much never do the twain meet uh, so I feel like there's a lot of um, you, you hear one hears from a lot of people who um, agreed to say something like a spanking and then when it turned into oral sex as well uh, they experienced that as a sense of violation whereas for the other person that was just a kind of a natural progression mm -hmm. so yeah just really great to clarify up front you've been listening to curious conversations about sex by curious creatures we run workshops often focused around how to put into practice the things we've been talking about today and various other things find us at curiouscreatures.biz and you can find Aerie who I've been chatting with today at bluevelvetarts.com Thanks for listening, friends.